Welcome to another episode of the Croc, Croc Report Podcast. Uh, I am your host, Damian Parson, tonight with another special guest, my guy from Yahoo Sports, uh, Matt Harmon. What's going on, bro? Yo, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. This is going to be a lot of fun. I feel like we've already, uh, before, as soon as we got on the Zoom uh, to when we hit record, I already feel like we filled a good 20, 20 minutes <laughs> worth of content right there. I mean, for this sure, is for a, sure. This is going to be a good conversation. I'm, I'm excited to, to pick your brain and to uh, talk, uh, talk some football, man. Oh, yeah. Same here. Same here, man. So let's go ahead and get started. One of the things that you're doing right now is the recept- reception perception. Can you just kind of break that down for us? Uh, what's that model like? What, uh, what does it do for you? Because uh, I'm excited to hear about it. Yeah, so – it basically goes back to, again, what we were talking about before we started recording, which is that there's so much information, uh, so much context that's left out of the picture when you look at just players' production, um, especially, I feel like, at the wide receiver position. You know, mm-hmm. you, obviously, you, you grind a ton of tape, the folks out there that do, and even just those of us watching on Sundays inherently know that so much has to go right for a wide receiver to accrue production. You know, a quarterback has to decide to throw him the ball. Uh, that ball has to be accurate. It has to be on time. It has to be within the, the right timing of the route progression. Uh, the quarterback's got to be protected. Uh, the play call's got to go his way. And then even from, and that's like just from a micro sense, then from a macro sense, is this, de- is this wide receiver, they might be talented, but are they deployed in the right system? Are they lined up in the right role for their skill set? So I felt like when I started, when I, when I kind of decided to get into the business and basically pursue a career covering football full-time uh i was a nobody you know <laughs> i didn't i didn't play in the league i, I didn't play I, I never played uh i i didn't have a connections in media at all period right. so <laughs> i i thought to myself you know what is the one question that uh i have about the game that no one else is answering and for me it was quantifying the qualitative reality of route running because i feel like that just doesn't show up in any stat sheet it's impossible to quantify route running with yards per reception yards per target catch rate get all that stuff out of here um it helps tell a picture of what's happening on the field but it doesn't tell you why it's happening um and for me i wanted to essentially log as much film as possible, but do it in a very rubriced way. So for mm. me, what reception perception is, is I go over for an eight game uh, sample for a college or NFL wide receiver and chart every single route that they run in that game, how often they get open on each route, how often they get open versus man, zone, press, whatever. Uh, there's obviously some ancillary met- metrics like contested catch rate, what they do after the catch, basically anything that you want to know about a wide receiver beyond just their basic statistics, reception perception is going to tell you that. Uh, so awesome. that's kind of the, the, the view of what it is. It's trying to provide as much context. It's trying to provide, you know, th- there's different ways to use it. Right. Cause um, you know, there are things that I- I've been doing it now for, this is my seventh season, seventh season worth, worth of film that I've been charting. And like, there are things that I said in year two of reception perception that I would never say in year <laughs> seven, you know, because that's what happens when you work with data for as long as I have, you know, I've got over by the end of this year's worth of charting, I'll have over 300 players in the database. Wow. Um, so with all of that content, that's a lot of work, by the way. Yes. That's a lot yeah. of, no one, no one should ever do, no one else should ever do this for a lot of reasons, <laughs> but no one else should ever do this. Um, you know, uh, so there are a lot of, there's a lot of things, like I said, that I've learned along the way about receivers. 
Um, and there, you know, you can look at it as like, okay, this guy's getting open in reception perception, as, as you can see, but he's not getting those targets yet. Like if you're playing fantasy football, like maybe you draft this guy late based on his talent. You know, there's been a lot of ways that that's been beneficial for folks. Also just like trying to understand the position better. Like I said, you know, there, a guy like Juju Smith-Schuster accrues production in an entirely different way than a guy like an Allen Robinson or Devonte Adams or an Antonio Brown on his same team. I mean, I, I remember, you know, when, Juju was more efficient from a, you know, yards after yards per target yards per reception basis. It's like, well, is he starting to become better than Antonio Brown at the end of that time? There's like, no way, man, they're playing very different <laughs> roles, you know? So there's a lot of ways that you can utilize this data. Um, and I have an awful lot of fun collecting it. Uh, and I have a lot of, I've learned a lot about receivers and I'm excited for, you know, much more learning to come. Oh, definitely. Definitely. That, and that's great, man. Cause I mean, like you said, contact, and that's something people tell me I should just put on the shirt. Context matters. Like thinking about, like you said, just looking at the stat sheet, the box score, it tells you one, uh, a piece of the story about that player or that prospect. But what routes, what routes do they um, utilize the best? Well, you know, what type yeah. of player are they? You know, and that's, that's one thing that's key for me. Like, and I've, I continue to say it, like, People are like, I'm listening to different, you know, different analysts say, well, you know what? In my mock draft, I have the, I have the uh, Dolphins taking Jamar Chase. And I'm just like, no, I don't like it. Like, you know, for Tua, yeah. you know, it's probably better to give him a Devonta Smith or a Jalen Waddle, not just because they have that connection, but they are the type of receivers that he needs. Those guys that can win quickly at the line of scrimmage, at the yeah. snap, Yards after catch, they play quicker than a Jamar Chase. I just saw somebody compare Jamar Chase to Anquan Bolden. Yeah, no, Tua doesn't need Anquan Bolden. Like yeah, right, <laughs> Joe Flacco right. needed Anquan no, Bolden. You know what I mean? Like that's those are the things that matter. And I, I I can't wait to dive into your reception perception this year. Yeah, I'm excited. You know, that's a perfect comparison. What you just said about um, Jamar Chase and those prospects with Tua, because um, for one like you mentioned inherently because I spend so much time with wide receivers, I end up spending so much time with quarterbacks. And I think it took me a while to sort of realize that, that you start to figure out like, just cause a receiver is good with this quarterback doesn't mean he's going to be good with this quarterback, you know, exactly. and it's, it's, it's got nothing to do with the receiver and his ability. Sometimes it's got a lot to do with the quarterback. You know, uh, I, I really realized it when I was studying uh, Jer- or Cooper cup, right. And, and his relationship with Jared Goff and just how much, Goff relied on a guy like Cup because Cup is always open versus zone coverage and they Mm -hmm. use him he ends up seeing so much zone coverage because of the way they used him from 2018 to 2019 he actually saw fewer routes versus press than anyone in reception perceptions history you know because of that very very unique role that that Sean McVay and that Rams coaching staff had for him that starts to tell you something about Jared Goff right like he likes to see it he likes to see it open before he lets it rip Uh, a lot of that is is schemed open so it makes you kind of question Goff beyond that that connection with Cup and obviously you know he's a fine quarterback but his yeah. team just gave up on him you know the one that drafted him so <laughs> I think that says a lot um, another example was uh, a player like Michael Crabtree when Michael Crabtree was uh, he, he ended up having an injury in San Francisco this is mm-hmm. actually one of the very first like reception perception predictions that I that I made like yeah. when you went back and looked at his um, film from his final year in San Francisco this was sort of 
when Colin Kaepernick had kind of come down a little bit from the Super Bowl run. And Kaepernick, as good of a quarterback as, as he was during his time, remember he had such a good connection with Anquan Bolden um, because I think Kaepernick was a very sort of a guy that, you know, he would just throw it. You know, he would see yeah. it and throw it and like he was that type of guy. But he wasn't that timing, anticipatory route a uh, 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 quarterback and i thought crabtree was a great route runner like a timing anticipatory yeah. guy so those two just weren't a fit together based on where kaepernick and crabtree who had lost that speed and explosiveness and really because of all of his like the achilles injuries stuff like that he really had to rely on that technique so mm-hmm. then when he left san francisco and went to a guy like Derek carr who has his flaws but is a very good timing based passer he ended up having a couple of good years with the raiders before Absolutely. falling off there as well so again it's just those are some examples between that that fit and i, I love the uh the prospect example because I don't know if I'd take any of these receivers that high in the draft this year, but also because like, this is another thing we could talk about too. Like the receiver position, we're going to get to the free agency uh, crop this year. There, the position is stacked, like not just in free agency, but the last three draft classes, 2018, 2019, 2020, especially just gave us a flush of new young talent. You kind of have to wonder, is it worth picking a receiver that high in the draft? Or do you go with the more priority position? whole different conversation. But yeah, Tua to me was like the antithesis of a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick, where Fitzpatrick is the ultimate, see it, throw it. I don't care. I will see, throw it no matter yep. what. Like I'm going <laughs> to yep. rifle that in there. And, and I talked to Fitz about his relationship with Tua and, and talked to Tua about his relationship with Fitzpatrick just a couple of weeks ago during the Super Bowl. And yeah, there's a lot of, they're, they're very, very different in the way they approach the position. And, you know, Ryan was really trying to help uh, Tua develop in that way. Um, but I think Tua can be a very good timing base thrower, you know, get it out quickly, uh, you know, sort of a Drew Brees light type yeah. of model. Um, I said that to Tua and he was like, oh, it's a lot of pressure. But I'm like, yeah, but I think that that's the type of the way that you play the game. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and a guy like Jamar Chase or, or an Anquan Bolden certainly is, is sort of not is not a great fit. No, for a player like that. that's not, it's not a fit at all. And, and like I said, I mean, just that that's just kind of player that Tua is. You know, you put Jamar Chase, like, you know, my ideal spot for him is Philly. Philly has – what Philly did last year, okay, you know, you have Dallas Goddard, Travis – I mean, um, Zach Ertz is getting traded or released. We, we just have to wait to see which one manifests first. But – you look at the speed that they drafted last year, you know, Jalen Rager, um, you know, John Hightower and uh, Quest uh, Watkins. Like those are all like sub four type of guys with legitimate speed to threaten defenses downfield. So you think about a Jamar Chase, he comes in and he's alpha number one possession guy. He can work in the, yeah. uh, the underneath to intermediate game. And then you start to, you know, accumulate or as the, uh, you know, the old school term was matriculate down the field. You can start doing those things. Right. So it's just, um, that, you know, I always tell people, man, like, you know, you, we, we expect guys to come in. Same thing with quarterbacks. So I will not interview the Tim Jenkins, um, quarterback coach and guru over in Denver. He said, man, the NFL is not a, it doesn't believe in, in developing quarterbacks anymore, you know, no, and, and yeah. I always, ta- no I always talk about it. It's literally none. Like fans no and time. media, it's like nobody really wants to just wait. And my, 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 my analogy for it, and I feel like it's just a perfect – it's perfectly placed. I, you know, we all dig into some fast food from time to time. 
You know, <laughs> you know we all do. It's just yeah, what it is. Even, even, you know, even the most, you know, elite athletes, like, bro, I need a burger. Like, you know, we're on the road. Let's stop it. You know, in and out, five guys, whatever. Let me get a nice burger. But there are times where, you know what, I, I don't mind waiting an hour or two for that home cook for a course meal or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, because that food's going to last me. Like, I'm, I'm going to – I could take that for lunch next day if you have work a number, normal nine to five. It, it just strings along a lot longer than that burger and fries that you had uh, 45 minutes ago. Now you're like, man, I'm really hungry still. So it's like, for me, that's why I feel like we've gotten into – we've gotten into a fast food world in terms of quarterbacks or just prospects in general. Like, we're sitting yeah. there watching Ryan, Ryan Tannehill resurrect his career in Tennessee. You know, we yeah. a lot of people, you know, me included, kind of wrote him off with his time in, uh, in Miami. You know, we watched Kenyon Drake, you know, resurrect his time in, in, in Arizona after getting away from Adam Gase. Like, it just takes time for some guys, you know. So that's, what, that's one yeah. thing I always try to just put out there to, to, to Twitter and just you know, different fans ask me questions. I'm like, Tua's going to be fine, man. Like, what you need to do is build an offense around him that he's comfortable with. Like, you, you watched that Miami Dolphins offense last year. That's not what he's really comfortable with. He has yeah. what we call dunkers. You got Preston Williams and you have uh, Devontae Parker, two high flyers on the outside. Who's working the middle of the field besides Gasecki? He's working the, sling, the seams, and he's another dunker. But what's that quick in-and-out guy? You could say Jakeem Grant, but he has, doesn't have reliable hands. We've signed him with a lot of his drops last year. So that's kind of where it is. That's why adding a, a – Jalen Waddle or a Devonta Smith that you can pretty much put them anywhere in the formation and they can win. You know, that's my, that's my biggest thing. One on win one-on-one for me consistently. I don't want to have yeah. to scheme everyone open. We see that in new England as a Patriots <clears throat> fan. Yeah. That scheme was all great. You know, when Tom Brady was there and, and, and everything was working, that camaraderie was there. The guys had the chemistry. Yeah. No, when we saw it this year, that scheme didn't do too much for Nikhil Harry. That scheme didn't do too much for yeah. a couple of those guys. The tight ends were non-existent. So, so it's just, you know, scheme matters. I always tell people that scheme matters. But um, I always say skill set over scheme. Um, yeah. Adopt your, your scheme to the skill set of your players. Well, the biggest problem, too, for quarterbacks, you mentioned the timing issue of it. Um, like, not only do we on the outside not give – quarterbacks or, or, or uh, any prospect specifically quarterback though we yeah. don't give them enough time like there's just not a lot of time in the calendar either like and nope. two is a great example because in training camp you know because the practice time which i think in the long run is good for players you know to yeah. have the practice time they obviously want that they don't want to be practicing especially like in a post-covid world oh man they're going to be they're going to be cutting <laughs> that practice time down because we went out and had a pretty normal season without all of this off-season stuff yeah, that they went exactly. into it i think the players will be making a point i think coaches will be making a, it's going to happen right like, yeah, of course there's going to be less and less time for practicing and because of that in that constricted time it's going to be all it's all about getting the starter ready I think fans don't really think about this enough like there's not going to be a time when uh the Dolphins just for the hell of it are going to be like hey you know Fitzy come just go sit down for a little bit you know go chill do whatever we're going to give Tua just a couple of a couple of series here just to get himself integrated with the offense um get him and Devontae Parker into a rhythm here let him figure this out no, that doesn't happen, you know, and especially if you're not even a first round pick, right? If you're just like second or third round guy, there's no developing <laughs> you, you know, because we're trying to win freaking games, you know, we exactly. got we got a starting quarterback. 
that we need to get, need to get out there and get prepped. And um, I know you brought the, the quarterback coach from, from Denver. And whether you believe in Drew Locke or not is almost not even part of the question, right? Right. Uh, because – like they had a guy in Joe Flacco that they were rolling with no matter what, you know, the coach in, in Drew Locke's rookie year, Vic Fangio is like, uh, it's going to be a minute. It's going to be a minute before <laughs> you hear anything from this Drew Locke fellow. Right. So by the time Flacco gets hurt, it's like, well, now Drew Locke is just in there without ever really having to having thrown to anybody here exactly. or, you know, gone through the first team reps. So time is, and this is all comes back to your t-shirt context matters, right? Because this is all context that we don't really consider on the outside, but it's super crucial in quarterback. It's, it's extremely crucial, man. And like you said, it's just, uh, for me, I always, I always want to, you know, put as much context in everything as possible so you can get the, the best picture. Um, I think, you know, I, we, we see it a lot of times, like, that's why I don't, for me personally, I don't watch a lot of the talking shows for sports. Uh, I'm not going to name no. them by name, but I don't watch a lot of them because the, the, the content is just like, what? Like, I'm just kind of like watching, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, what's going on? Like, okay, you know, I'm turning this off. I feel like my brain is getting numb and I don't like this, this feeling. I'm going to go ahead and find something else to watch on television. Uh, or I'll just talk, pop on some film and watch that. Uh, so it's just like, that's just what it is, man. Just, you know, just context, context, man. But um, let, let's talk about the free agency uh, period. We do, like you just, we just alluded to talking about these receivers, man. It's a lot of, you know, not just the draft. The draft has its own depth. But yeah. even at when you're looking at the free agents right now, um, you know, from the A.J. Greens, the T.Y. Hiltons, Allen Robinson is probably the biggest uh, name, especially in the age spectrum. Um, you got Corey Davis, uh, John Ross. Can he get to a, uh, to a place or a team where he can finally find that clean bill of health and, and produce? You know, Will Fuller, 27 years old, is coming off his best season. Um, as a pro or, you know, especially by himself without uh, DeAndre Hopkins. So uh, what, what are some receivers, man, in, in this class uh, of free agencies that you are just really waiting to see where they land? Yeah. And, you know, I think there's a chance that these top three guys could get franchise tagged. Mm-hmm. Um, that damn tag, you know. Is, yeah, that's why I, I hate it. But that's why I hate it. It's the worst. It's the worst. But um, so I would say that, like, I have never seen, just in a hypothetical world, I've never seen a, a receiver class in free agency that features a guy like Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin, and Kenny Galladay, right? Yes. Um, and I, uh, that is the way I would rank them, Robinson, Godwin, uh, Galladay. And I think there's a tier gap from those top two to Galladay, but that's, those are kind of the top three consensus available players. Um, man, I think for one, we could see, even if Robinson, for example, or Galladay gets tagged, I think those two guys could still then get tagged and traded. Like, well, those guys are being discussed in that manner uh, behind the scenes. Robinson specifically to me of this group um, he's he's the number one for me. He's been a reception perception stud since he entered the league. But I think over the last two years, he's really taken his game to the next level, despite the fact that he's still played in chaotic offenses with well below average quarterbacks. Uh, when you look at reception perception, he's getting open among the best players in the NFL, you know, and that's not even to say what he does from a contested catch standpoint, you know, he's got clean hands. I think he is just a truly elite number one receiver. And even if he's been a good player in fantasy football, been productive, like I do think there's another ceiling there. If he was paired with an above average quarterback, we'll see if that happens. Like, 
by the way, don't think Allen Robinson doesn't know all of this, right? Like doesn't know that he isn't, <laughs> that he's, you know, been marginalized throughout his career by bad quarterback play. Like that's all a part of the equation here. But I also think he's just spurned a little bit by the bears. Like I know for a fact that when he went to Chicago, he was really happy about, going to Chicago. He likes the area. He likes the team. He likes the fan base, but I think he's put off by the fact that they haven't just given him a contract extension. Cause he's there with a huge gap between him and number two, their exactly. best player on offense over the last three years. So I think there's a chance that he could hit the market without the tag. I think there's a chance that even if he gets tagged, he would be um, available for trade. I have no idea what the bears would be doing on their offense after that happened, but it is what it is. Like, I think he is like a, a truly elite number one receiver that's on the market. Godwin, uh, to me, I don't know what you think about Godwin, but I also think Godwin could be that type of player oh, yeah, in definitely. the right in the right situation. Like, and and to me, he is he's young. He's not even twenty five yet. He'll turn twenty five in March. Um, he's he's a stud, man. I mean, if you like rugged badass football players chris godwin is your guy even if you're not into receivers because they're like <laughs> right you know they're divas and like you know they they're out there on the outside just doing their own little thing with their routes like godwin i i i've rarely ever seen a receiver like release from the backfield up the b gap or c gap on the offensive line and like that is some crazy stuff man he he's just a he's just a rugged badass player but i also think he's a great separator too man zone press coverage i think he could beat it all he's a great contested catch receiver um i think that if he hit the market which he's the one that i feel like is the most likely to get tagged and return to his team right the bucks also have to consider whether they want to tag shaquille barrett again because he's coming off a great super bowl and all that he wants to get paid and he wants to get paid. Levante David also is a free agent. Like they've got questions there. Do, do do the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? But Godwin's young, productive. This offensive core running that back one more time. Um, I, I think it's appealing. But he do, he did say today. I, I think it was basically like, look, I, I I'm open to getting tagged, but I, I mean, I want to stay in Tampa, but I want to get paid, right? Like I want to get that bag. Um, also, they got they have Antonio Brown as a free agent as well, too. Yep. So that receiver room could look really different in a Fair. couple of months. But I, I, I do think that they end up bringing back Godwin. But to me, if he ever hit the market, I think 31 teams should be like, let's think about this because he's that kind of player. Oh, definitely, definitely. No, I'm with you. I, I love Godwin, man. He, he's he's tough, physical, uh, fearless. You know, you, you one thing I loved about him is that he extends like that full body extension on catches. You don't see guys give that type of effort on yeah. on a on a play to play basis um, a lot of times, especially the bigger names. You know, bigger name receivers. Some guys just rather you know, hey, if it's not there, it's not. Trust me, I'm covering the Cardinals. I I, I saw. Andy Isabella do that quite a few times in 2020. Just kind of watch the <laughs> yeah. ball and just like, no, nah, I'm not going for that. And it's just like, okay. Um, so, yeah, we need to replace you. But, um, you know, I mean, that, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's one of the biggest aspects of him, man. He, he's so competitive. Right? He's so yeah. – Chris Godwin is so competitive. And, I, you know, for me, I've, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of Kenny Galladay. Uh, when, you know, when he was drafted, I was like, man, you know, the, the, the catch radius, the frame, the, the physicality. And for somebody that, you know, uh, I think it was – 20 was it 2018 2019 he was like second to last in um separation per reception via next gen stats like legit you don't you don't think that he's going to separate 
And yet he's like league leader, uh, atop of the league in yards, 20, uh, 20 plus yards downfield. You know, it's yeah. just, it's, cr- it's, it's crazy when you think about it. But that catch radius, his ability to separate, like I always tell people, there's multiple ways to separate. You can separate simply yeah. with routes and separate horizontally so and true. everything, but you can separate vertically from floor. To, to the air, you know, from the ground to, to the, in the air. And that's what he does at his best. Like, he's one of the best contested catch uh, receivers yeah. in, the, in, the, in the league. So seeing him, um, I, that's why I, I keep seeing reports like, you know, maybe he doesn't return. And I'm just like, man, Detroit would be really – that would be a bad decision. You bring in J- Jared Goff and it's like, all right, Jared, you know, you got this house, but the cupboards are bare. Like, do with it what yeah. you will. Like that's not a good Marvin idea. Jones is a free agent too. Like Danny yes. Amendola is a free agent. They they would have nothing. I think. I think. But um, Quintez Cephas is like the only receiver they've got yep. on the roster. That's a tough scene if you're Jared Goff. Or you're coming <laughs> exactly. There. And especially because I think if Goff does one thing well when the structure's there, and that's a big if. Uh, you know, I do think he's a he's got an underrated arm. Like he yeah. could throw the deep. He ball could whip to it. Kenny Galladay. Yeah. He could whip it if he's he protected it. and it's just takes that straight drop off, off play action. Like a lot of things got to go right for Jared Goff to be that player. But I think if he did, Galladay's a good fit for that. Yeah. I, if I was Detroit, I would be trying to convince him as much as possible. Hey, look, we got a new culture here. I know Matt Patricia was the stone worst, but like we're, we're figuring things out. Let's give yep. you a big contract because he's a young player too. Um, so yeah, I, I would try to figure it out if I was, and I think with Kenny Galladay too, it's, it's a shame that he had so many injuries and then maybe was just kind of like, I'm not coming back to this team at any point yeah. in 2020. Um, maybe that was going on behind the scenes, who knows, but either way, um, that was a player to me where he got better each and every year. Like in his rookie season, he had his moments, but, but definitely struggled a little bit. Then in 2018, he became that great vertical, uh, and contested catch receiver. Then I think in 2019, you know, we could look like, I think he became a, a pretty good like separator. Like yeah. you said, maybe not the most detailed technician, but with how athletic um, and fast he is, I think he really took that next step to be, you know, right on the fringe of like being discussed as a true number one receiver. And then I think he could have taken that really big next leap in 2020, just too many injuries there. So injuries. yeah, if he hit the market, um, you know, I, I saw that, it, you know, he might be available for a second round pick or something. If I'm a contender and I'm a receiver needy team, I would be willing to take that risk of like, let me throw a second at Kenny Galladay. Um, if I'm the right offense that has a vertical, like needs a vertical um, contested catch presence right away. I, I would, it's a, it's a, you know, second round pick, like you're going to have to pay him eventually, but I would consider it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there, there's a handful of teams that could use his skill set easily. I mean, you look at Cleveland, you know, depends on what they do at OBJ. They need someone reliable downfield with that powerful run game, that consistency in the run game, the play action pass. And ba- we saw what Baker Mayfield was able to do late in the season after he kind of mastered Stefanski's offense and picked it up. Uh, I think year two for, for them is going to be much better, especially, like I said, if they can get that because, I mean, they have Donovan Peoples-Jones and Jarvis Landry is their slot machine. Uh, I like Rashad Higgins, uh, but yeah. they need Free that consistency. Yeah, Higgins another, also on the market. Another another receiver. I'm going to say, and, and there's, like I said, we t- I talked about one of them earlier, but uh, well, both of them actually. I, I, I really, I'm really interested to see what happens with Corey Davis and Will Fuller because I feel like their impact, their potential impact could be great for a, for a team. And when you look at the investment that you're going to make in them, the ROI could be very, ROI could be very beneficial. Uh, Corey Davis, you know, coming finally kind of 
hit it. I mean, granted, I know it's a contract year technically, so it's like you know he you know, like the old the old adage guys always play great in the year they need to get paid, <laughs> but um, but for me, I just felt like you know everything kind of clicked. Uh, his kids, yeah. his, his chemistry with Tanny Hill, uh, Tanny Hill was was great. Um, all, pretty much almost all season, and, and just his even his. His game itself, you know, and kind of route running um, and, and, and leverage and different things like that, complete effort, everything looked like it just clicked for him. And I think, you know, well, I think he's like 26. Yeah, he's 26 years old. Like, I'm like, there's absolutely no way I don't look at him if, if I'm a team that needs a, a, a receiver, especially one of a young potential number one at the, at the latest, you know, at the worst, a uh, high rate number two. Yeah, I think he's. So this, this is funny because this is, again, what we talked about like before is that every, like so much context has to go into when discussing a player. And I think Corey Davis is a perfect example because I feel like he was always sort of unfairly judged by being taken fifth overall. And it's like, yes. what do you want the guy to do? He got, got taken fifth overall. He's, that's out of his control. Yes. I don't think even coming out of that draft, like that was an aggressive draft pick at the time. Because even if yeah. you liked Corey Davis and, and you liked his film, which I did, I thought he was a good player in college, but like um, – he, he, he was injured all offseason. You know, we never got any, like, test medical, you know, testing on him in terms of, like, athletic numbers, all that type of stuff. Coming from a smaller school, coming not a big program. Like, that was an aggressive draft pick. Um, and – but at the same time, like, to me, when you looked at him in reception perception his first two years, he was never really anything special. But he was, like, a solid starting NFL receiver. The right. problem is he was, he was playing in those disgusting Marcus Mariota, <laughs> Tennessee Titans offense. I think he, he was really basically from a route running and separation perspective, the exact same player he's always been um, last year, but he yeah. was just finally doing that in the context of, Oh, we, now I'm in the Ryan Tannehill, super efficient version of the Titans offense. And Oh, by the way, uh, I'm now playing as the number two across from uh, what I think is a dominant up and coming number one receiver in AJ Brown. Like it's actually kind of funny. If you, if you flip, if you just like look, watch the Titans offense, you'd be like, Oh, AJ Brown is the guy that was drafted fifth overall. And Corey Davis is like <laughs> the rugged number two second yes. pick, you know, yep. but obviously the roles are, 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 are reversed. Cause reversed. I do think Davis like last year, he would, to me, he was, so impressive at the catch point uh, from a contested angle. He had some bad drops, like a, but really they came in like bunches, you know, and, and that yeah. happens to players sometimes. Like he had a couple, cause I actually just finished charting him last night, his reception perception. And, and like, there were some games that were really bad, but there were games that were really good for him. So yeah, he's, to me, he's, he's a player that I would, I would love to have as a number two receiver. Um, you know, he's definitely not going to be the flashiest signing, but you know, if you're a team, I, I don't know if the Packers are going to get involved in, in the, the wide receiver market because they passed up on it so hard last year. But, like, they're a perfect example that, like, they really need a number two receiver because they have a transcendent number one in Devontae Adams. Like, having Davis as just, like, that solid guy that's always, like, not going to be a 1B, but a really good number two, I would love of him. Course. That of scenario. course. I, lo- I love that, actually. And from a draft standpoint in, in team building, if they go and they – because, I mean – there's a Chassar report today that that Aaron Jones may command 15 mil on the you know on the market, and luck, I, yeah, I'm gonna say listen, <laughs> I Green Bay is not paying that, um, uh, so he's gonna walk off into free agency, and, and and if so, you know, and they're able to allocate some money to bring in a Corey Davis. So now you got Corey Davis paired with Corey Davis. Now you got a lot of, that's some big receivers over there. Corey Davis, Alan Lazard, MVS, yeah. Levante, like you have 
a like a legit army of just big, long, athletic receivers. Then, you know, you really – and then you got Robert Tunyon at tight end who nobody knew about until last year. So now it's just like, okay, you got A.J. Dillon in the backfield. You can draft another kind of pass-catching back to spell him. And because this class is, is, you know, is littered with guys that you can bring in. Jared Patterson, uh, Gainwell to me is an actual number one running back. But still, you know, if you wanted to pair him and replace Aaron Jones, what you can do then is – because the one thing that everybody talks about in Green Bay is the defense has never been what they wanted it to be, what they needed to be. Completely competent from whistle to whistle, from game to game, that consistency. Well, I mean, we just saw Matt Rule say, you know what? I'm fine with what my offense has right now heading into 2020. I'm going in every pick defense, right? Yeah. And he got some yeah. impact players, the Derek Brown and Jeremy Chin, and they, they brought in some guys, yeah. man. You know, Yitor uh, Gross Matos and different things like that. They brought in the guys, young guys that they can develop. If I'm Green Bay, if you're able to pull – if you kind of get out your own way, go go out there and be aggressive. Say, Aaron, we believe in you. We want to make it to the Super Bowl. Let's go grab Corey Davis, have Corey Davis and Devontae Adams and the rest of those guys. Then with your draft picks, you go ahead and you load up on that defense. You get better at the linebacker position. You get better at the corner position. Now it's like, wow, like we have – not only do yeah. we have a high-powered offense, but we got an opportunistic, athletic, young defense that's going to play with their hair on fire with the lead. You know what I mean? And because and, you I got a legit, that, yeah. you have a legit pass rush. I mean, I, I look at it. You know, a lot of people complained about how the the, the Colts built their team, their defenses with Peyton. That's they built it for Peyton. It's, it's exactly. Peyton the way that I always uh, kind of use basketball, NFL, uh, NFL and NBA analogies. You look at those, the LeBron led teams, LeBron is a pass first type of guy. He's not Kobe. He's not MJ. What LeBron needs is shooters. He needs guys mm-hmm. that can spread the floor, allow him to get one-on-one and attack. If you double, he kicks. And that's, that's his thing. They built it around what he does best. Same thing with Peyton. They knew Peyton could average 35 a game. All we need, we need Dwight Freeney and Robert Mathis to destroy your tackles in the fourth quarter. When you're tr- you're down 14 yeah. and you're trying to, re- trying to get back in the game, now you got to worry about Good our luck. guys. Good luck with that. So, um, so that's kind of how I look at it. Like, you know, if I'm Green Bay, I would take that kind of game plan. But, um, but, yeah, I mean, like I said, and then Will Fuller, I, you know, I'm not sure – What's going to, I'm not sure what his market will look like per se, especially yeah, after the whole the the PED, the, the, the PED thing. But um, explosive explosive receiver, um, and he showed that he can be a number one in the offense uh, when featured. He played very well, and he's one of those guys. When we talk about speed, uh, there's 40 speed and then there's play speed. Like, and what, you know, actually one of my comps for Jalen Waddle, you know, I'm kind of putting this out there. I haven't even put it in his report yet is Will Fuller. Like, that's his – like, you know, we look at – a lot of people talk about Tyreek Hill. I'm like, yeah, Tyreek Hill, um, I could see that. And I was like, at, at worst case, he's Will Fuller. And that's not a bad – that's not a bad comp at all, in my opinion. Because yeah. Will Fuller is a really good player. So, you know, it, it, I'm intrigued to see where he goes. Because, like I said, I think 2020, he was able to put it together finally. You know, stay healthy. I agree. Um, and, and, and put it together. And I'm really interested to see what offense he lands in. Yeah, I think Fuller didn't get enough credit for, like you said, taking a leap to not just being a sporadic deep threat. And really, like, once Watson got there, he was never – like basically it was just like, is he going to be healthy? Is he going to be basically. on the field? Because when he's, when he's on the field, he's a baller. And, yeah. um, you know, he, he gets off the line much better than he did in college. 
all the problems that he had with drops in college have really never been a big problem Mm -hmm. in the pros. Like he's, he's been actually one of the best 50, 50 ball receivers and uh, the Texans are stupid, obviously. So they screwed this up, but um, man, like when you had Will Fuller on one side of the field and Deandre Hopkins on one side of the field, because I don't know. I know one of the things that I, I, believe is like overhyped in the general public sense is how much folks talk about like double coverage and like all this type of stuff. Cause you can't just double coverage, double cover no. every number one wide receiver. Cause then you're just going to be conceding yards and points certainly like, but you're going to give some defensive attention to the best of the best. Of um, for example, a Deandre Hopkins, like he was one of, <laughs> in, in reception perception. He's one of the most like consistently double covered players, even though that, that, that number is lower than what most folks would have, expect I think from how we talk about it but then that puts your defense in quite a bind because you can dictate those extra resources to DeAndre but nobody can cover Will Fuller one-on-one down the field because he's just too fast he's just too good off the line he's just too good um, in the contested catch game and when they had those two guys in Watson you know pulling the trigger it was unbelievably good it's just a shame that that band was broken up broken (laughs) yeah it's really bad yeah, it's, yeah, it's terrible. I mean, th- all those guys might not be Texans in 2021, which is just like high key. Uh, the I mean, it just what the we could talk about the Texans for a hundred years, but it's like what's going on in Houston is like beyond parody. Like basically, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just not even not even real. But yeah, I, I'm really curious about Will Fuller. I also think you brought up Andy Isabella from the uh, Arizona Cardinals. I think that would be a fun fit. Like bring reunite yes. Watson. I mean, reunite Hopkins and Fuller in Arizona because. I think they really need a burner. Um, you know, Christian Kirk is like, okay, but I think he's more of a three. He's um, a slot to me. He, yeah. He's a slot guy for sure. And I, I think that if you brought Hopkins as your ex fuller is your flanker and Kirk is your slot. Now you're kind of cooking. Maybe you take a tight end in the draft uh, to kind of compete with Dan Arnold there. Cause I think people, and maybe this is a cliff Kingsbury issue. I, I don't know, but I think people didn't really, see how limited that Cardinals offense was from a passing perspective. Extremely it, limited. I'm sure you watch it, like watching it on film is so frustrating because I hate that they just lined Hopkins up on one side of the field. The left um, side. Every, almost that every left game. side of the field. It's so weird. You never see that happen in the NFL. That is a very college thing. Um, and But if you're going to consistently do that and not move him around, You've got to have other players to win. Exactly. And guys like Isabella, uh, you know, Fitzgerald at this point, those guys just aren't good enough. Um, and I think Kirk was overmatching his role. So it's just a shame that they took all of those receivers in that one draft. Uh, and like none of those guys are, are going to work out, you know, no, um, not at all. Butler is like a tight end in Philly. At this in point. Philly. <laughs> so yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's tough. They, they could definitely, they could be a team that dips into this market. And I think, um, I would love to see Murray, you know, unloading some deep passes to Will Fuller. That, that maybe they think about that one. I mean, I think that's you know, for me, you know, in, in the in the drafts, like I was like, okay, if they don't go receiver in the free agency, it, they have to find someone. And you know, maybe yeah. it's not even just and I, even then, if they bring in Will Fuller, I still think go grab you a late guy, you know, seventh round. Um, you can find yourself a big, tall, uh, kind of fifty-fifty jump ball receiver to bring into into the you know into the fold especially after you let because I feel I really didn't like the whole releasing of Hakeem Butler because after that like you didn't have anybody that Kyler could rely on to just toss yeah. it up to and that's what Hakeem Butler is he's a he's a jump ball guy but he did it well um but you know 
I love the fact that, you know, I love that idea of bringing Will Fuller into Arizona, putting him, you know, flanking him outside, putting Christian Kirk with a two-way goal in the slot. He's a very crafty route runner. He has a great to a good to great short area burst and quickness as well, a reliable route runner. And, of course, we know what DeAndre Hopkins is, consistent, baller, beast, elite. He's, he's all of those things, you know, to, to, uh, to talk about. And the tight end position to me is, is a need. I like Darren Arnold as a number two. I like him as a – more of a red zone threat and as a, as a move yeah. guy rather than my tight end one. Uh, he's not really a great blocker. Uh, he doesn't run routes with great physicality against, you know, against man coverage. But once, you know, with that tall, long frame and he, he is athletic, like his catch raise is ridiculous. So it's like, you know, yeah. put him in that, he in that role. Catches, yeah. like, and put him in that secondary role. I think that it'll be a good fit for him. Um, but definitely, like I said, this, 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 this receiver class, um, it's very deep and you can find different guys for different roles. So I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens. You know, Brashad Perriman, if he stayed healthy in 2020 for the Jets, no, no telling what he would have been. We saw what he, what he has been the past couple of years when he was healthy. Um, you know, after leaving Baltimore, he became a little bit more consistent with his hands and his routes. And we all know he's really fast. So, um, and explosive. So it, like I said, it's a lot of guys out there, man, a whole lot yeah. of guys. Curtis Samuel is available. Uh, I don't think he. I don't think Carolina brings him back. Nelson Aguilar is a yep. free agent. Had a good year with the Raiders last year. Um, you know, you, you can also get into like the Sammy Watkins, Marvin Jones tier. I yes. mean, there's just so many. You know, usually, again, I feel like usually we'd be like, yeah, Marvin Jones is a free agent. He's probably the best guy in the market. You right. Know? Exactly. The best guy but it's, <laughs> there's a lot of guys. Um, Samuel, I'm a big, big, big fan of Curtis Samuel. I yes. think. I think he can actually be used in more ways than just that gadget role that they, they threw him exactly. in last year too. I think he's a really good underrated separator. Um, very explosive downfield. I think if we had seen a healthy Cam Newton in 2019 for the Carolina oh, yeah. Panthers and, and Samuel in that sort of Stefan Diggs flanker role for them, mm-hmm. I think that we'd be thinking about Samuel's a very different player, but um, we could see like, I think Washington also is going to be a, a player in this free agent market too. Cause I love Terry McLaurin. I think he is a future superstar oh, yes. in the league, but they really have no depth uh, beyond McLaurin. So they could be a team. There's an obvious connection there with Curtis Samuel to the offensive mm-hmm. coaching staff and Ron Rivera, but they're another team that could bring in a Corey Davis type. That's like a, a really solid number two. Um, but man, I just hope they end up, I hope, I hope they end up getting a quarterback. <laughs> Yeah, they, they need to. And I feel like, you know, that, that's a situation where that's what that's why I love the in, NFL draft and, and, and free agency process over the NBA. The NBA puts their their draft before free agency. I, I hate that. I hate that. It's like trying to walk without shoes. It's annoying. Um, so it's just like for me, I, I love what the NBA, NFL does, mainly because a team like Washington can go and grab a Corey Davis like you alluded to. And then they, if they wanted to sell the farm and go go up and go from what I think they're at. 19 or somewhere in there go from there mid, middle of the first round spot sell a punch a couple picks maybe uh offer um you know ryan kerrigan i've heard talks about deron Payne being you know being a guy that, that teams want if you send that up to i don't know maybe miami or or uh, atlanta and say listen like Here's a bunch of picks for the next couple of years. Here's Deron Payne. You pair him with what you already have in the elite big man in the middle, Grady Jarrett, and, and you continue to retool the defense that you want to. You don't even have to worry about the quarterback. Let us come up and sell you as many picks 
and let us get our quarterback, whether it's a yeah. Trey Lance or a Zach Wilson or whatever the case may be. And they can do that. And I think that's kind of the best thing for them if they went out and, and, and fix their holes. I think kind of what I've always heard in terms of team building, you address your needs in free agency, and then you take the luxury in, in the draft. That's why yeah. they talk about best player available. So, um, which we're going to get into the draft right now, matter of fact. So, like, uh, you know, right now, well, yeah, we're going to talk about the prospects in a little bit. But I want to kind of get your process as, you know, from a fantasy football aspect. Um, what is your process during the NFL draft season? Yeah, it's to be really open-minded because um, when you're talking about fantasy specifically, landing spot is going to dictate so many different things. I mean, I almost think it doesn't like it doesn't behoove you to get too attached to a running back prospect, for example, mm-hmm. um, beyond like the obvious guys because they could go you know any different way, right? Like they could be you could see running backs go on uh, the third day that just end up in a great landing spot. It's like, Oh man, I love that. Like, you know, yeah. uh, fire the cannons. He could get up an immediate <laughs> opportunity. Um, or you could see a guy to go and end up being third on the depth chart. And then he's got like a really a long, so, so being open-minded about landing spot is so, is so uh, key. Now with the receivers position specifically, obviously um, this year, I am going to be charting prospects. I haven't been able to do it the last couple of years. So I'm going to, I'm going to be getting some, getting like deep, deep into the weeds in terms of reception perception for some of these top guys specifically. I've already started a little bit of work on, on the uh, top guys, but you know, obviously for receivers landing spot is key, not just because of immediate opportunity, because we can see talent create opportunity for some of these receivers, but then it's like, Oh, is he a good fit in the offense? Is he a good fit for uh, the quarterback that he's playing with? And I think the Steelers actually are a great example of this. Like everyone talks about the Steelers as if they have some, you know, skeleton key to scouting wide receivers. They don't folks, right? Like they've, they've had some swings and misses like Sammy Coates is a thing that, that happened. <laughs> and Lima that, Swede. <laughs> Lima Swede. Like, you know, they've, they've had uh, Marcus Wheaton, they've had their misses, but what I think they're really good at is identifying roles and yes. like the fit of a player. Um, like Juju is a great example, by the way, Juju, a free agent. He's on the market. We yeah. didn't even talk, we didn't talk about it. Like <laughs> Juju is a player that, um, you could you could look at him and it's like oh he's big he's physical uh he he's a really good contested catch receiver yes. he should be our day one x receiver coming out of the draft no he shouldn't no. and the steelers the steelers knew that and they put him as this big slot receiver that they move around they get him free releases mm-hmm. and he's really good in that role i think he's probably going to hit the open market cuz they have some other younger guys waiting in the wings and they sort of are like well do we want to pay a slot receiver, this type of money, all that, there's a lot going on there. Right. But exactly. they, they were really smart about that. Um, with a guy like Deontay Johnson, they looked at him and they were like, okay, quick separation. That is what our quarterback needs right now. And that's what he's really good at. So they're, they're good at that part of the receiver position. So, and uh, that's just part of, it's like understanding what a player is good at. And then when he goes to a certain spot, um, part of my process is really trying to understand like how these guys win, um, AJ Brown's another, almost like the inverse of the Juju example where, oh, yeah. um, in college he played so much slot receiver, uh, you know, folks were thinking he might be a Juju's 
Smith Schuster type of player, but man, when you watched him in college, like I don't, this guy gets open at all levels. He gets so good against press and he turned out to be like a true actual X receiver for the Tennessee Titans. Mm -hmm. Like he doesn't play in the slot hardly at all. You know, he's really just an outside uh, TO light type of guy. So I think studying players from like a fit and role perspective is really key uh, when you're, when you're looking at draft prospects and not just necessarily who pops talent wise, although that is obviously a big part of it. Yeah, definitely. I completely agree. Uh, like you said, I, I, that's why I always say location, location, location. You know, when you think about uh, when you're thinking about going on vacation, it's all about the location. Like, where are we going? You know, uh, and, and that's yeah, you're, gonna pack, you're not going to pack the same way for your vacation um, up at Big Bear here. It's California <laughs> geography. Everyone hates when you talk about California geography. You know, you're going to take <laughs> same vacation uh, to, to Big Bear as you would to Palm Springs, right? Like exactly. two different locations. Two different One's up locations. in the mountain. One's out in there in the desert uh, with your pools and, and all that type of stuff. It's exactly. Different, you're it, different things for different locations. Your essentials are different. Your, your mindset is different. Your, your activities are going to be different just based on the location. So uh, that's, that's a big part of it. Uh, so, again, let, let's go ahead and jump into some, some of these prospects. So I know you said you're early in your charting. Is there anybody that stuck out to you right now that just kind of pulls at your heartstrings, your, your, your draft crush so far in your charting? Yeah, I really like Rashad Bateman, um, the the Minnesota receiver. Like technical. he, yeah, technical guy. Look, and I'm always gonna fall for the technical guys. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really think he's a disciplined technician, like coming out of college. And I think those guys, like they've got a good path to producing right away uh, yeah. in the NFL. I I would be really he's a guy that like yeah where he lands would would obviously make a big difference but you know it's not not the same type of technician as a guy like justin jefferson but to me the reason i loved jefferson so much last year um and i I, jefferson was another guy that folks like wow man can he play outside because he lined up so much in the slot at lsu it's like dude this guy i mean can run routes and get open at all levels like sort of a a more explosive version of Keenan Allen, which sounds yeah. aggressive, but like Keenan Allen, because I think Keenan Allen's a great receiver, uh, but oh, you know, yeah. Jefferson's Jefferson's like the same type of separator, the same type of technician, but just has more um, explosive downfield uh, chops than, than maybe Allen does at this point. Like Bateman is not that level of prospect. Cause I think Jefferson could have easily been the first receiver drafted last year. And I wouldn't have like blinked on eye. It's crazy that he was like, what the fifth guy off the board or something yep. like that. Um, he knows that he remembers that. Oh, of course uh, he so <laughs> I think Bateman's a guy that could go a little bit later, uh, that people that should be excited about from that same sort of technique reason. Oh, definitely. I, I, I love Bateman. Um, you know, he, and he's in my top five receivers. Uh, for me, I mean, like, I'm not gonna go with my obvious one. I know everybody knows how, how much I love Jalen Waddle. Uh, you know, I've, I've been kind of watching and studying his tape, even when he wasn't in a prominent role. That's why, I, you know, and you see it, you know, being part of fantasy uh, Twitter, you know, when people talk about breakout age and different things like that, I, I had to mute that phrase because I'm just tired of seeing it pop up in my timeline. <laughs> um, I'm just like, you know, just watching guys. I saw a thread the other day that said, Rondell Moore over Devonta Smith in this draft class. I'm like, in what world? I'm like, what do you mean? And they're like, because he broke out as a freshman. I'm like, that means absolutely nothing in 2021. But okay. Um, you know, it's just like, I, I don't get it. Like, I'm not doing this. Like, wide receiver one over, over Devonta? Like, I'm like, 
uh, if we go trait by trait, uh, you really can't tell me where Rondell Moore, Moore stacks up besides the fact that he's a really explosive athlete. I mean, that's really about it. Yeah. But, um, you know, it is what it is. But, um, you know, Jalen Waddles is my guy. But uh, another another guy that I've, I've talked about at nauseum, Elijah Moore from Ole Miss. You know what I'm saying? Crafty, explosive route runner, physical route runner. Um, I've, I've posted, you know, I did a thread on him, posted a couple of different uh, clips just watching him work out of the slot, watch him work out wide. They use him in, in a multitude of ways, especially if you pop on the tape against South Carolina. Um, they use him in the backfield. You know, they threw him in the backfield and actually ran the ball with him um, a, a good couple times in that game, and he's serviceable there as well. So he's one of those guys, if you're looking at especially from a fantasy football aspect, we always talk about, you know, location, skill set, different things like that. He has the ability to be a PPR stud in the right offense, a team that's yeah. willing to give him those uh, multitude of manufactured touches, whether it's bubble screens, whatever. But it's like, at the same time, he can actually run routes and separate in man-to-man uh, situations. Um, and, and, I mean, for a guy to be his, his stature, he attacks the ball with a uh, with fearlessness at the highest point. Uh, you, you don't see that a lot from smaller receivers. And, and I love that. It's a short guy myself. I love to see uh, shorter receivers go up with these six foot, six foot one corners. And like, this is my football uh, and I'm taking it, you know, I'm gonna box you out and you're much taller and longer than I am. So uh, Elijah Moore is probably my favorite receiver outside of, um, you know, outside of Jalen Waddle right now. Yeah. I just saw, I was reading my good pal, Daniel Jeremiah, his, uh-huh. his, uh, his mock, or not mock draft, his, his top 50 prospects. Uh, and he, I just saw uh, more made 50th on the list today. So yeah, it was like Great. Oh, a nice. Call, nice call. I like that. I like that. There but, you go. Uh, so you're on the right path here. Uh, hey. What do you think? What do you think about um, like Devonta Smith overall? Where are you with, I'm flipping now. I'm doing the interview. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you with like, with the weight, everything like that. Cause he's a guy I'm almost done with my charting work on. Mm-hmm. Um I said it earlier that I feel like with these receivers, I'm not sure I'm taking any of them. Like at yeah, Dolphins' man. third pick, just third is high. Third is really third, high. third is high unless you are a Megatron. Trans- yeah, unless you're like Megatron or Julio Jones. Yeah, or, you know you're gonna become Odell Beckham. Like that's tough, to, but that's tough to know, right? Beckham was the third receiver drafted that year. Um, Sammy Watkins was the first. So yes, we don't always know like who's gonna be Justin Jefferson. I think basically had <laughs> Odell Beckham's rookie year. Yes, um, just without the splashiness of it. Without like the one hand catches, without the catches against you know the Cowboys on primetime Sunday Night Football, but like I think exactly. Jefferson was as good as Beckham as a rookie. But like again, he was the fifth receiver drafted in that class. So mm-hmm. like I just don't know that I'm taking any of these guys that high. But uh, I really do like a lot of a lot of what I've seen from Smith. Like, and I'm almost so impressed that. The, I know I asked you the question and now I'm blabbering on. This is a terrible, terrible uh, media work. No one, no one take notes on this. Like, <laughs> I think that Smith, you know, he's really thin or he's really small, whatever, but like he's so physical and tough at the catch point. I thought that was the most impressive thing like that I wasn't expecting while watching him. Absolutely. And that's one thing I always uh, look for is just kind of, like you said, at the catch point, that speaks to play strength. You know, um, you know, with the combine, as much as we miss it, I feel like a lot of guys would have been kind of overrated when they gone to the combine and killed it because it's like, okay, well, the tape is so, you, you know, the production is okay. The tape is okay. Man, he killed the workout. The, well, we, me and my guy Eugene call it the Underwear Olympics. It's like, okay, man, he killed the Underwear Olympics at the combine. It's like, oh yeah, he benched, uh, you know, 
225, 35 times as an old lineman. I'm like, that's great. But I watched too many times him getting punched in the chest and going back two or three steps. So it's like play strength matters so much more than what you're what you can do during a workout. So watching yeah. him, um, and I always go back to this. But we talked about it uh, on when I did the film session this past Saturday, watching uh, Monroe St. Brown, and I talked about Devonta Smith and just the uh, the way people kind of look at the whole weight thing. And I said, listen, you know. Top, pop on the tape. It was uh, against uh, Tennessee, not Tennessee. Yo, no, Missouri. Sorry, against Missouri. He runs a slant. He's on. He's on the. Uh, he's flanking to the right. Uh, he runs a slant. Completely whoops the corner. Their strong. Their their strong safety is a hitter, Tyree Gillespie, and he's rocked up too. Like beautiful body kid, and he triggers down. He sees it. He hits it back foot, and he explodes. Lays Devonta Smith smooth out like shoulder pad to chest kill shot Devonta Smith just gets up and walks off to this to the huddle like it didn't even phase him and it was just like you know the the toughness aspect people I, I get it and I one thing I always tell people man this isn't the 70s you know like Ronnie Lott's not barreling down on the yeah. on, on, it, this is not one of those situations where it's like hey you got to be afraid to go cross the middle. You know, you got to be T.O. size to go cross the middle. I saw Justin Jefferson running scot-free across the middle. And, and to be honest, he's not a, a very big receiver himself, you know. Um, so uh, the, the, the play strength, the the, the Yeah, Nate Tice put that picture out like just yesterday, um, a couple days ago, of Devonta Smith and Justin Jefferson like next to each other. And they like to have the same size legs. And of course, all the, all the tw- Twitter uh, sleuths are like, well, Jefferson's a little bit farther back than Devonta. Like, I'm like, okay, whatever. But, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> you know, this, 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 like anyone who's ever um, worked out or, and I know that people hate, the, hate this take, but it is what it is. Like anyone who's ever worked out or like tried to cut weight or tried to add weight in a period of time, weight fuck weight fluctuates man like yeah. weight goes up and down like so devonta smith might be 170 whatever one day he might you know be 166 he might be uh 185 like that can happen it like weight fluctuation is real and yes it's like if you can play you can play you know um I, I, you know, I can, I can be, and I'm not, I'm not a pro athlete, right? I'm not, I'm not going to be hey, drafted this year, guys. Uh, <laughs> if I am, my knee is going to collapse. Let's just put it that way. Um, like I, I can be, you know, 10 pounds heavier on Saturday than Monday. You know, it's like that, exactly. that stuff fluctuates. Like it, it's, it's crazy. So I'm not too worried about the weight thing. No, um, no shouldn't be. Maybe I'm, from an injury perspective, who knows, but like right, yeah. that guy, that, the guy can play, right? Like, and he can, he is. I mean, we watched the- him against some of the best corners in, in especially in SEC. Byron Stingley is a top 10 pick next year and cor- and most likely cornerback one. He, two meetings against this kid, Devontae Smith has wrecked his whole night. So it's just like, how he do we ignore Heisman as a, as, a, as a receiver? As a receiver. No one does that. Like, just crazy. Desmond Howard. <laughs> so it's just like, how do we ignore that? Like, well, he's 175, so I can't do it. It's like, no, like we have to kind of – Again, context. Look at everything. Everything matters. But, um, you know, it's crazy. Like I said, we talked about this receiver core, you know, receiving class. And there's two names I want to, you know, I want you to, you know, definitely check out, uh, you know, when you get the chance this season. Uh, Josh Palmer from Tennessee. Um, okay. You know, we, when we talked about, we talked about it earlier, just production. 
he's a guy you kind of got to throw the stat book out of the, out of the equation because his quarterback play was so just herky jerky, just everywhere. Um, quarterback was not good, um, but he's explosive. He changes gears very well. Speed, he could be a legit deep threat for for uh, for an offense. He has insane body control. Um, the one thing, I, only thing I really would say he needs to work on is uh, a variety of releases at the at the line of scrimmage as release point. But he's got strong hands, uh, ridiculous uh, kind of like circus catches as well. Uh, hand eye coordination is 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 legit. He, he's a sleeper, a really good. I've been talking about it for a couple months, and now I've seen a lot of other guys since the Senior Bowl are like, oh. Oh, this kid can play and I'm like yeah nice welcome to the party guys it's like I've been here for nice. a month now um, <laughs> and then uh you go over to Illinois Josh Emader Bebe like uh oh. I think I said that right yeah I'm not big kid um I believe if I'm, don't quote me in this but I believe uh I think at one of the training sessions uh coming out of high school if I'm not mistaken he jumped 47 inches um he's a he, yeah oh my God. yeah he's a rocked up like just like he's like he lives in the gym strong hands physical he's explosive like i said 47 almost 48 inch vertical and he's got speed to be a deep threat as well so definitely look at those two those two receivers when you get a chance i can't wait to see your uh reception uh perception on those two guys Awesome. Yeah. Like this, that's the thing too. We talked about uh, the last couple of draft classes. Like I think 2020 was big time hyped up, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and it lived up to the hype, but oh, yeah. I think the two classes before it 2018 and 2019 were really not discussed in that same way, but like mm-hmm. the stars of today and tomorrow came out of 2019. Um, yes. And now it seems like 2020, uh, 2021, excuse me, are like, this is another really good class. So the receiver position is stacked, man. You almost have to wonder, like, when are we going to reach a breaking point? Like, are guys going to start <laughs> to get valued because of that? I think um, so. I think so. The seven-on-seven, seven, uh, you know, for a lot of people who don't know, seven-on-seven seven leagues are pretty much preparing these kids to come in ready to play receiver and even quarterback. So, um, yeah, quarterback yeah, no. and receiver. And, I mean, at this point, like, if you're an explosive, talented offensive player – Right now, who knows, might be different in five years like we're talking about. Of course. But you're, you're looking at it and you're like, do I want to play running back where uh, right. I, get draft, I get drafted fifth overall and then, uh, then they throw me out, I don't make a second contract? Or do I want to be a receiver where I'm getting paid $20 million a year? Oh, you know, I, I, the, people are going to start to have that conversation with themselves. I, absolutely, absolutely. Man, listen, it has been, it's been fun, bro. Like I can sit here and talk it, talk, talk shop all night. It's Seriously. been fun. Um, I'm like I said, I'm definitely looking forward to your reception perceptions. Um, you you kind of inspired me to do something with running backs. I I'll let you know how how you know where my mind goes, but I have a, I have a thought. I'm, I'm gonna let you know off air. I'm gonna shoot you a, a DM about it. I but, would um, love to hear it. <laughs> I'm gonna pick it, your brain. There's, a lot, there's room for that. There's room for that. There's a there's um. My buddy Graham Barfield works for Fantasy Points. He does a running back type series. Uh, mm-hmm. But listen, there's always room for, I feel like, putting good film analysis behind, you know, charting and into a rubric so that, like, folks can, you know, because it's tough, man, right? Like, you can sit there and say, like, this guy's a great fit in a zone blocking scheme or this guy gets, you know, just like putting it into a way that people can understand, like the yes, common absolutely. folk, you know, it's, that's absolutely, the way to do it. Man. I can't wait, man. I can't wait at all. I guess I'm going to shoot you a DM after the show. But, um, again, guys, that is my man, Matt Harmon. I'm Damian Parson here at the Crocker Report. Y'all have a good one.